Hey Geekscapists, welcome to a brand new Geekscape podcast. I'm Jonathan London, your host. If this is your first Geekscape, well, I've been doing this show since 2006, and I love talking to storytellers. Maybe they're actors, maybe they're filmmakers, uh, or they're uh, they, maybe they work in video games, or they make comic books, any of that pop culture stuff. Uh, I've always loved it as a kid. I don't know if you know this, my first job was at a comic book store. I could walk there from my high school. I would hang out there after school every day. I definitely was into comics long before that since I was single digits in age. And one day I was 15 and I was hanging out at the comic shop and the owner said, hey, are you able to like work yet? Are you 16 yet? And I said, no, I'll be 16 in a month or two. And he said, okay, well, you're going to work here because you're here all the time. And that was my first job. Fast forward and here we are with Geekscape. And we've got a fantastic episode. Um, I told you about this. Zelda actress Patricia Somerset is here. I've been hearing her a lot because, uh, well, I've been playing Tears of the Kingdom ever since it was released. Uh, Y'all heard the Tears of the Kingdom special last week. We talked about the beginning impressions of the game. There were no spoilers in that episode. If you want to go back and hear that, it's us uh, after playing the game for a few uh, days and just loving it and talking about how it's different than Breath of the Wild, what we're expecting from the game, how we're loving the changes in everything in between. One of the changes that we... Uh, one of the non-changes that we love is Patricia's voice acting as Zelda. Of course, uh, I think she was also in Hyrule Warriors, which I played the heck out of and finished several times over. And then uh, we've been hearing a ton of her in Tears of the Kingdom. So uh, Geekscape, is there won't be any spoilers in this one. Uh, so you're safe listening if you're still fighting through Tears of the Kingdom, which you probably, it's a, it's a long game and it just came out. You should probably be balancing your time and uh, working your way through it slowly but surely uh, there won't be spoilers in this episode but uh, Patricia's waiting to get on so let's get it started All right, Geekscapists, let's get right to it. I was just playing before the recording of this. I was playing some Tears of the Kingdom. I know you're probably playing it. Uh, it is the hot game that's out. Um, and I think it's going to be that way all summer. It's also one of the fastest selling games uh, of the year. I think it's going to be the number one selling game of the year. Uh, but let's not keep her waiting. The star of the game, I think she's, I mean, she's the star of the game. It's, it's Her name's in the title. Patricia Somerset. <laughs> Y'all may know her as Princess Zelda. How are you? I'm great, Jonathan. Your your beginning is epic. I was like, Ooh, get me all hyped up. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we we like to get excited about this stuff over here. We we like to talk about it. Uh, I I'm uh, putting out this episode later today. Uh, Geeks gave us. Sorry, it's not live. Um, Patricia's um, in a different time zone, and I was like, I don't want to bother her with the live stuff. And, um, and also we don't, you know, we're not going to have spoilers, but I don't want to risk somebody in the comments, like spoiling the game. I'm so <laughs> careful about avoiding that stuff because Breath of the Wild was my favorite game of all time. And I've been playing those games since the original Zelda came out. Um, Patricia, what's your history with the franchise? Not that you need to vet yourself here on Geekscape. You've already vetted yourself. You're Princess Zelda. But um, were you familiar with it before you got cast in Breath of the Wild? 
I was, yes. I was definitely familiar with the franchise. Um, I wasn't like a, and I've never really been sort of an avid nonstop gamer. Um, I've gone through periods of time where I've, where I've played more or less, but I did grow up with a NES. Um, I grew up with the original Legend of Zelda. Again, I was like more Mario Kart, um, track and field, duck hunt, that sort of thing. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're doing some deep cuts. Did you do the thing with track? Did you ever have the NES pad? Yeah. And remember yeah. the thing where, like, after a while with track and field, it just doesn't work very well, and you get down to yes, your knees and you smack it with yes. your hands? That's totally that's <laughs> absolutely what my sisters and I did. We were like, you know, it's like Dance Dance, dance Revolution yeah. before Dance Dance Revolution. I mean, I get, I think the Dance Dance Revolution at home pads worked. I think I was in college during that period, and I didn't I have didn't a whole disposable. I did dance a lot, but I didn't do it on pads. But um, well, yeah. you are a dance, you're. You're a trained dancer. I am. Yeah. I mean, I'm a trained, yeah, I'm a trained ice dancer. It's been, it's mm -hmm. been some years since I've done that, you know, with any degree of like regular regularity, but um, yeah, I carry it with me. <laughs> it's really, I mean, you carry it with you because it's hard on your body, is it not? It's, oh, yes. Your joints I do carry it with me. Yes. And in yeah. fact, my joints are just, um, sometimes I'm like, oh, my joints are shot. They're shot like at too young an age, <laughs> but I've been we feeling that young. way since I was in my twenties. So and <laughs> We're, we're young. I, I tweaked my knee again playing basketball. I've had my ACL replaced on my right oh, knee from, and basketball. twice. And well, then I, um, and I was playing and it was the good knee that felt a little tweak two weeks ago. And my knee does that thing where when you stay, uh, when I'm doing like squats and Geekscapist, this isn't Fitscape suddenly, but y'all know it. If you're a long time Geekscapist, you know I enjoy running and fitness and, and a lot of that stuff. But um. <laughs> I'm not gonna put you on blast, but do your knees do the rubber band creak when you do squats? Like, cause mine definitely is like. Yeah, my my knees have done. I've done live performances. It's such embarrassing to say, but um, when I've been on stage before in like black box theaters doing live performances and bend down to get up and it's like, you know, that was not Hedda Gabler. That was Patricia, just with really cranky knees, you know, hips or whatever. Yeah, Geekscape is just. One day you're young, and the next day you yeah. need some uh, like an oil change on every single joint. You just it just yeah. happens. And that was in my twenties. I just have to say that was in my twenties. So I've just this, yeah, but yeah. Once like as you know, as like once you start using them, they're they're used. That's it. <laughs> mm -hmm. So in, keep them hydrated. I don't know. I don't really. Well, you're that. that's that's what you do with your voice, is it not? Like what? Are, mm. I, I'm not a voice actor. I I just talk about video games on the internet. Well, well you um. What are some of the things you do to preserve your voice? And this, and I don't want to speak for your other roles because you're in a, a ton of other games and you've been on camera a lot. This is the big one, would we say? Like, like this is the one you're getting recognized for? Or what, what do you think? The, it's definitely not the most vocally stressful thing mm. that I've done. No, the um, Link actor I, had, the so. yes, guy, had the like, easiest guy. guy. Although, I don't know, emotes are, <laughs> it'd be tricky. <laughs> he gets a gasp, <laughs> basically, and go, ha! Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I've done other, like, I mean, I've been part of like the Assassin's Creed franchise and Rainbow Six and um, some of the big Ubisoft games. There are like plenty of bigger games that I've, you know, been associated with, but for sure this is because it's an iconic character and such an, an old franchise and a game that has continued to innovate. It, it's, it's really hard to top this kind of level of, um, just general press for a game, for sure. Yeah, it's um, I, so I guess it kind of ends up glossing over all the other things I've done, which is hilarious because I have a wide, a wide variety in my career of things that I've tried. Um, but you know, I, I'm also thankful for it. It's amazing. It's an amazing gift. 
Yeah. Would you like to be known as the Esteem. Zelda voice? I, I, I mean, I, I, mean it, I, I am known as the Zelda voice yeah, on some level, I mean, but you know, I also like nobody will even know this, but I, you know, I released an album last week with my band. We'll, we'll, and... we'll, we'll they'll know because we're going to talk about it oh, for right. sure. That's Don't you cool. worry. We're going to. That's fine. <laughs> we will talk about it, but be, I'm sorry, I interrupted. You're, you were saying like there's more to you than Zelda. Of course. I mean, any. Any actor you see, there's more to them than that one character that they play that ends up becoming their hit. Usually there's years and years of, uh, well, not always, but most of the time, years and years of training, years and years of other roles that they just sunk their teeth into. And, you know, it's no different for me as, a, as an actor. I'm working on projects right now that I'm equally as excited about. It's like, it's, it's how it goes. But you can't really choose what you're known for. I mean, it, so much of it depends on like what the game does or the TV series or... Are you going to get several series um, or several seasons of a series? Or is it going to get canceled after one? Um, does your character die at the end? You, you can't really, <laughs> you can't dictate any of these things. In it's acting, nice. I mean, Geekscape is if you live a good life and make good decisions, you can help what you're not known for. Totally. Your mis- <laughs> um, your mistakes will follow you. Geekscape is your mistakes will follow you. So listen, make good decisions. Your ancestors are watching right. you. So are your ancestors. <laughs> um, in, in Patricia, I don't, I don't even know. I mean, you you do Breath of the Wild. Was it in in Geekscape? Is, there's a Breath of the Wild. I think we can talk about a little bit because for the most part, Zelda's in stuck in combat with Calamity Ganon in that game, and Link is running around, and he's either directly going on the quest to save uh, Zelda or not even save Zelda. And I don't like saying that because obviously the stereotype of like, oh, save the princess little more Mario, but they're working on making Peach even, you know, more active in, in her own thing. But um, you are in combat the entire game, the plotline of Breath of the Wild, and Link has to hurry his butt up and help join time. forces with you. When you start seeing, and it's happening here where, I'm not going to spoil where Zelda is in this game, she equally does not need rescue, she needs assistance in this game. Um, but everybody you start needs to, assistance. Yeah, everybody, everybody needs assistance. That's the point. It's like a, it's a group effort. <laughs> on but, but when you in yeah. in Link needs assistance, he gets the Gorons and he gets the Rito and he gets the different races and people of Hyrule together to help him. The different champions and it's similar again in, in this game. Um, when you see the memes come out of what Link is doing, just bopping around, doing anything but the quests, you're you got to be laughing. Where it's like. Link, come help me. And he's over there crafting stuff. I'm just or sleeping. he's cooking. I'm sleeping. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> Does it make you laugh? What are some of the favorite memes that you've seen come out of this series? Oh man. Oh, there's so many good ones. I think there's one I know from Breath of the Wild, there was one where and again, I don't see all of them. And actually I, I spend a lot of time not looking at those things anymore because it can become very overwhelming and um distracting from doing other kinds of work. But um there's one early on. There's there was a lot of jokes about her waiting for him for a hundred years and him just fishing, you know. <laughs> it's about time. I, I find those things super hilarious. Guilty as charged. Um, I did a lot. I did my fair share of cooking, mm-hmm. um, and I think in Breath of the Wild I did everything but get the Koroks. Oh, I did the DLC. John. I did. I, I didn't want to find those guys. And then they show up. And, Hello, you found me. I'm like, no, we're good. Go back under the rock. I, I, I'm sorry. Didn't know you were under there. I was looking for a bug. You've, I think you there's know. some interesting, like with the Koroks and what, what, what is happening 
to the Korhawks in this in this game, like the different memes of that. That's pretty fascinating. We see things with the like, crafting element where yeah, people are like Korok sticking them to things. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, there are some pretty funny ones. Um, some of it, I'm just like, I don't really condone any sort of torture, even in cartoons. But, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, it's just like it's debatable what's what's kind of appropriate or not. Like, how much you want to lean into that, but um, you know, and you know. But some of it, some of it is like innocent, hilarious, and very fun. Like there was one where uh, a Korok got launched on a rocket, ground control to Major Tom, and the Korok launches off to David Bowie music. And I'm like, this is amazing. Somebody <laughs> is brilliant. And this made my day. So. I will tell you, Geekscape, is that early on in the game, you do there is a, a, re a repeat Korok like a quest to unlock the Korok seeds. And in the first game, it was just like either figuring out like a local little puzzle or pattern and or hitting some targets or finding them under a rock. And then this one, you they do want you to do the craft element quite a bit and build things. And one of them is getting a Korok from one part of the map to another. Maybe it's across a river, maybe it's across a chasm or something. But you have to build in order to transport them to where they can join their other Korok. And... <laughs> I can see where some of the creativity is. Uh, when it comes to building for me, I try and just stay story focused. I love the story. I love exploring it. Uh, what I love about this game is if you're a little bit tired of the sky, I'm not tired of it, but if, if there's a lot of the sky, you go to the ground. If there's a lot of the ground, you go down to the depths. Uh, if you get too creeped out by the depths, you go back out, <laughs> back up to Hyrule. But um, the creativity of it, I I made a a wing with a with jets on it and a little cannon and floating around and the the creativity is amazing i imagine with the creativity you're also seeing the best and the worst of us as far as oh, fandom yeah, goes sure I, I tend to get i tend to get the real highlights that that come at me so there's a lot in between and then <laughs> some of them i'm like eh, i didn't really see that uh and other ones where i'm i'm very happy to even just share it um there was one uh that somebody speaking of like wings and uh, wings and um, engines. Gosh, somebody was flying on a contraption that they created and cooking tomato soup <laughs> in in the sunset. And I just thought, man, that is uh, you, you, you. It's infinite these different moments that you can create from the game. And that that was just one example of like somebody just gave himself this like paradise sunset with a great snack. And you're like, yeah, that's all you need. That's all you need in life. <laughs> they put the cooking pot on the wing. Yes. They flew towards the sunset and they started cooking. On the wing. Dramatic. Yeah, they built a fire on the contraption, on the flying contraption, and then cooked tomato soup. And it popped out and it was just at beautiful sunset floating through the air. Amazing. They possibly planted it to their deaths after that point. Possibly. But <laughs> he, when, I didn't the, see that part. <laughs> when the contraptions start to run out of energy, and their Geekscape is just energy that keeps these things afloat or keeps the engines running or keeps the fans running, you hear this blink, blink, and these things just start fritzing out and falling to the earth and then uh, it's kind of your warning that you're about to fall to the ground so <laughs> you better start recrafting stuff uh i'm in love with the community uh mm. for better or worse like some of the stuff and we're talking about the flamethrowing and the this and that like the they make human anatomy with these things um some of that stuff is hilarious uh what would you say i mean you, ultimately you want to see the game you want to see your character playable though don't you think Hmm. I mean, I, wherever Zelda has more of a voice gets more um, attention and, and gets to take on um, new and exciting adventures in any capacity. I'm always like, yeah, of course I want to see that. I just, um, 
I did find like the Hyrule Warriors was was a really lovely um, divergence from the main the main game, um, and I, I love that she was playable in that fightable fight you know fighting the whole way through very actively, and a lot of people really enjoyed that. Um, so yeah, of course, of course, I feel that way, but it's also I'm just like ah, there's such a it's such, such an interesting thing to construct these large games and what needs to exist in them for them to work to a larger market and when and i'm not having to make those calculations so i'm i'm glad that i don't have to be in that room making those immense calculations about what but in hyrule warriors zelda is not absent like you said not absent from the game she's playable and she's a major character in it mm-hmm. the amount of script pages i'm guessing were much larger for hyrule warriors Oh gosh, I'm gonna try to count that. We're peeling back the years here. <laughs> We're peeling back the years. Also, um, I, I won't go to too much into detail about like that stuff, but um, I'm, I shouldn't. Uh, sure. But yeah, I do recall that there were probably a lot more. Yeah, there was just a lot more like barks and onos, if you call them that, um, emotes mm-hmm. and things like that, because she is fighting for sure. So anytime you have a a, a playable character in that way, you're gonna, um, yeah, you're gonna have different pages of dialogue for sure. In Geeks, I'm not to say that I think we're not to say that she's ungrateful for the amount of work. Like it is oh. fun and it's amazing. The, the Rainbow Six games and some of those games where you're playing squad member or something like that, like that is dialogue. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're recording that stuff usually. I mean, is this a game that you also recorded with Coast with with, with other voice actors at the same time, or this, are y'all doing this, this remotely? Is, uh, that's interesting because there are, there's a real dis- there's a distinction between the style of those games. Um, this one is a, it's a dub, it's a localization, so you have all the different you know teams from all the different countries uh, having that translated, and then you do that work. Um, and typically, those sorts of dubs are done alone in a studio. It's kind of standard fare with. Again, like Rainbow Six, um, some of that stuff is done in a booth, uh, always alone, because it's weird to have more than one voice file going at the same time um, in, in those scenarios, except when you're doing full performance capture, which I did a lot of for Rainbow Six Siege for Ash. So you have, then you're, of course, interacting with all the characters and the little Lycra suits and the, the reflective balls. And, they're, and they're, there's a lot of feedback back and forth, and it's pretty exciting. So different. It's so different. And there's equal uh, yeah different ways you have to use your imagination in that kind of room compared to a dub but yeah i don't know ultimately it's all fun it's all acting i love it all we're <laughs> super f- close friends with a lot of voice actors here at geekscape um you yuri lowenthal is one mm-hmm. of my closest friends and oh, he awesome. he does the peter parker stuff for yes, sony of course in the spider-man games um you channel that physicality when you're doing the motion capture yeah. uh does that in the collaboration with other people within the scene on the, on the motion mocap stage, does that feed your performance? And when that stuff is not present for, let's say the Zelda performance, if that's, if that's the case, Mm. and it's more an isolated recording, where do you find that through line for a character? I also found that writing video games for myself and writing dialogue trees and things into uh, basically Excel sheets, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that stuff flow wise was, was tough it was tough to 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 for the different dialogue trees to say okay well what was the line before this it's a few tabs over what was the line after this where do i where does this place and then i have to put variations on all this stuff it was hard as a as a storyteller to get a single through line but as a performer similar like you're doing multiple iterations based on the 
the player's decisions. You're doing multiple iterations of a, of a moment. Um, how do you get the, as an artist, as somebody who does music and does acting and also has, you know, the, the, the skating uh, or the dance, the ice dancing, um, where do you find the through line there? The consistency that a character needs? Well, first of all, you said something about the difference between motion capture and being in the booth and the physicality of that. And for me, it's still very physical in the booth just because I'm not moving around a space and like picking up an object, I'm still miming it to some degree if I feel it's necessary. And also there's even just a way that you, you create a posture for yourself within a character. Like I, I will do physical work and vocal work to warm up before I go into a booth to do a character like Zelda for sure, because she's, you, you want to be acting it. You, it has to be physical. She's younger than I am. She, her voice sits at a different place there's a bit of an accent involved. All those things require, like, they require warm-up and imagination to be able to sort of truly focus on. So, um, yeah, if I'm, if I'm in the booth, I'll probably be kind of hanging out and, like, <laughs> standing, standing differently than I do, you know, um, to sort of raise my center of energy and keep my eyes wide um, and feel a sort of more youthful, enthusiastic energy sort of pouring through me while I'm doing that kind of role. Whereas with a character like Ash, I might, regardless of whether or not I'm in the booth doing her, which is still very physical, or in the motion capture studio doing her, and sometimes those those different files are combined, right? Um, so when you see the final product, you might see a little bit of everything. And the same with live action, where you're on screen, you do a scene, and then so much of what you actually see is combined with ADR afterwards. So you've done a full scene, and then you have to go back in sometimes and reproduce your performance just through a microphone because the sound didn't work out and so, so many processes are rushed now. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a lot. You'd like, they have so much stuff to get footage in a day and you, um, yeah. So your job is often to do voice work for your own live action. So you have to say, yeah, you have to stay really physical um, with that. Like and sometimes these are months apart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes absolutely. this stuff is, I mean, you, you absolutely have to work. have, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you have to remember, a bit of the day and say, okay, I've played six characters since then. I've recorded a million things since then. How do I tap back into this specific role? I understand that it, it makes total sense that you would carry yourself with a bit more over. For Zelda, you're going to click into the regal posture. You're going to click into the, the, the kindness, maybe a heart-centered yeah. sort of approach to mm -hmm. it. Um, you wear costumes in the booth, though? No. No, no, come on, just a little crown or something to put you in character. <laughs> I feel that like doesn't I help. Yeah, I don't think I would. It's so funny. I do, I'm kidding, I'm, Patricia. You hear these actors and they're like, I didn't really know who the character was until I put on the mustache. Well, you know? okay, I can see for certain things, like in theater or certain kind of live action things. Of course. You, you put on a costume and suddenly you go, oh, it actually really does inform your choices. Like if you have a, a corset or a heels or a particular color of hair or a certain hairstyle that you don't usually hair and wear and then you put it up and you're like oh and then you're like wait my angles are different. you know and then you sort of yeah you find your way into it but no not the booth the only thing i avoid which is really important is i i don't put anything around my stomach that's too tight because i want completely like loose and easy breathing and i don't want to feel any tension in my hips lower back or belly so i'm really careful about what i wear um, even if it's like sweatpants. <laughs> sure. Sweatpants might even be best. Great. The, yeah, your, they might be great. Your diaphragm has to be free. You have to, because mm -hmm. how, how much of it is coming from various parts of your torso? 
Well, it's like a full body experience. You don't right. want to be holding tension. So you just, you're always um, adjusting that and you might build tension after saying a lot of lines and then you want to go shake it off. But if you're wearing the wrong thing, it's harder to shake off. Mm. Got to recenter. So yeah, I wonder, I, I'm so curious, like you say, like your, your friend with Yuri, he's spoken about his experiences, Spider-Man. Um, if I can bring that in, I've, I've actually never listened to an interview with him. He's a wonderfully talented voice actor. What does he we say about that on the po- We have a few on the podcast. I know that be- between the Spider-Man stuff and the Peter, they did like some pretty cool, I think they did, I don't know if they did Texas Switches on set, <laughs> but where he's as Peter walking into something and then a Texas Switch Geekscape is where an actor swaps in one shot between an actor and possibly a stuntman or somebody with effects work or it's a, it's a character swap. And usually there, there's a, not a cut. There's a camera. I don't, I mean, obviously in, vo- in mocap, they could simply just record the stunt performer jumping out the window for Spider-Man, for instance, and in Yuri as Peter walking around the apartment, talking to the other character and then merge them. Uh, um, I thought I heard a story where they did a Texas swap in one of those sequences where Yuri performs all the way to a, a shape, let's say it's a window windowsill or, or something. And then a stunt person comes in and in a Texas swap and a fluid movement takes over and takes it from there and jumps out the window or swings out and stuff like that. Um, That's super he, cool. The, you can get I mean, them together, but they probably would need to measure that in, in a studio like for motion capture. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so something like a Texas swap might actually be pretty valuable. But what we have, I mean, Yuri's been a guest on this show since Ben 10, I believe. I mean, he was sitting in my living room doing the episode. We were just friends. In it, and I said, you know, like, what are some of the things you've been on? He said, Ben 10. I was like, who'd you play on Ben 10? He said, that would be Ben 10, Jonathan. How are you <laughs> doing? That's when I was like, Jonathan, be a little bit more research for Patricia and everybody else on Geekscape because <laughs> just embarrassing. And the guy showed up at my birthday this year um where you know as you know and i was wearing a spider-man sweater didn't think he could make it because he has a a child at home and everything and uh i show up and there's yuri and yo here i had literally right here i did not set this up didn't know we were talking about you yuri this is what he brought me speaking of voice acting um geeks gave us on youtube you can watch this on the video but uh what i'm holding up here geeks gave us is a uh he-man master of the universe action figure and it's, it says, happy birthday, Jonathan. You'll always be the master of my universe, that's Yuri. And that's sweet. what he brought me for my birthday. He, man, I think, I think he's, they had a kid. He's got to make room. He can't, <laughs> he can't be having this stuff around the house. All right. He gets so much of this stuff from playing He-Man or playing Peter He-Man Parker. Was probably or ben one Penn. of my first loves. I was a, a Shiro Princess of Power cosplayer at a very young age. That was my first sort of official cosplay. So I'm like, yeah. Patricia, do you remember the episodes when, in, correct me if I'm wrong, am I miss? remembering shira because would in every episode you had to watch for that little character and you would write down when he appears and you would mail it in and you could get a prize oh my gosh i don't remember i was too young i probably wouldn't have been cognizant of that at all when i was watching it when it first this is worth a google because geekscape is i don't know if i'm remembering this or just completely barreling in middle age towards uh dementia but uh, He-Man was a hit, and I love He-Man, and one of the biggest near misses of my, I mean, this is, I think I can talk about this, but Geekscape is before, I mean, this is before Machinima got into a lot of the lights and stuff, whether it's Mortal Kombat or the Transformers stuff they did with FJ, 
to Santor, our, our friend FG, uh, they wanted to do He-Man. And John Schnepp, the late John Schnepp and I were going to do He-Man together. But uh, who does this toy? Mattel? Mattel wanted Paul Dini. And Paul Dini is the guy who brought us um, the Batman show from the early 90s, the, the, the animated adventures, the, the Batman show that's amazing, that's classic. Of course you're going to want Paul Dini to, to write your He-Man show. But Machinima was like, well, Jonathan is cheaper. <laughs> the truth is, I am cheaper than Paul Dini. Paul Dini has a, a list of TV credits going back into the 80s, working in animation. And I just had my love of he-man and a lot of scripts that had written uh and john and i were going to make that show hopefully john you know from medical Metalocalypse and a lot of the adult swim type animation um and we were super excited in the sponsor machinima had a sponsor for it and i get a phone call when i'm at home in texas and it was like jonathan we have bad news about he-man and i was like don't do this don't do this the sponsor is no longer in existence. The sponsor was Dr. Uh, Pepper 10. Whoa. Do you remember Dr. Pepper 10? <laughs> whoa. Do you remember Dr. Pepper 10? It was like a Dr. Pepper that had 10 calories. This oh this God. dates like, it. Vaguely. This dates it to like 2010 to 12, somewhere in there. Mm. I don't know when it was. I took all the scripts, Geekscape, and, uh, and I turned them all into Hero of the like scripts for Hero of the Prophecy, which is a, a fantasy series of my uh, brother uh xww wrestler transported an alien planet and doug jones is in that and if you are keen-eyed and you know voice actors as well matt mercer's wife marisha ray is in that one as well that's super cool that's and and is matt matt's in this game as well is he not Mm -hmm. matt is matt gannon yep this is how i know matt was gannon not that matt and i talk on the phone and he whispers in gannon voice to me um matt uh, the fans blew up about it when the trailer hit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he announced. I mean, obviously, that's been... Okay. Um, yeah, it's not... I'm not spoiling anything, but okay. everybody would, would know that. Um, that's Matt in the game. Characters. I've been yeah. playing, and that's Matt. Yeah, he, he announced a, what, a couple of weeks before the, the game released that, yeah, mm-hmm. they, they said, you can feel free and announce yourself. <laughs> He's like, everybody knew it was me anyway. Um, but yeah, what a, what a wonderful sort of pairing that is just because he was such a mega fan of the series before and had played Ganondorf before in a web series and everything so that's pretty cool and how did you find out patricia like how tell me about your audition for for zelda and i mean you, you said well, you'd played the nes and all this stuff that you enjoyed the the series you're definitely anybody with a pulse is cognizant of this thing existing what was the audition did you know it was for zelda or was it a uh, open voice yeah yeah it was one of those really insane things that came together um just like i keep on saying par hasard which is like like, like by coincidence, I, I'm trying to think because I, sorry, I live in French Canada and I find expressions that don't, I don't find anything that actually fits that expression. Um, I, I had moved to LA after many years of acting and I just thought I, it's time for me. I, I'd done England, I'd been in Toronto and I thought if I'm going to be in Toronto, I, I need to be in LA. And I'd also gotten my Canadian citizenship in 2015 and I was like, okay, it's time. It's time for me to actually move to LA. So I did that. And I, you know, disseminated my packages of um, all, all the materials that I had um, and got this audition, which was super cool. But I, I had no idea. I just had no idea what it was. No, you, no one could have really figured out what that would have been because there had been no voice acting previously. It's not as if 
it's not as if it was some obvious thing that people were waiting for. Right, Zelda was, didn't have a voice performer. No, no, and it was also a game that had been delayed uh, multiple times. I just wasn't, I just wasn't aware. I had no idea. So, um, I auditioned for this thing. It had a like a, I called it like a bleach script. You know, it was just like an RPG fantasy game that looked, you know, well, suspiciously like a lot of RPG fantasy games with a classic story. And often those things are completely like anything of note is not there. But you get like, you, it alludes to the characters and you can sort of get an idea. But it was very, I just had no, no idea. And I thought, oh, I really hope I can do a good impression for this being one of my first auditions down here. <laughs> and I ended up getting a callback for it and then was like, oh my gosh, I think I might get a character in this. And then I did. And, wow, had I known, you know. Yeah, because I'm glad, they, I, they, I'm glad I didn't know. <laughs> but they changed the scripts. They hide the. They take. They obviously don't put the character names on it because leaks happen. And when they pull the uh, when they pulled the tarp off and showed you what the car, what the what the what thing was you're gonna be driving, it's an iconic character. And mm. and Yuri does have a similar story about stuff like that. Um, but you're doing the localization and. Um, his story about localization is he whenever he adapt adopt uh, adapt a uh, a foreign language maybe an anime and it's anime the original language is Japanese mm-hmm. he goes in he's auditioning with a bunch of Japanese people and he and they come in and in front of the other Japanese actors they're like you're gonna go with the white dude whoa and he's just like uh Wow, that's so... <laughs> he said that he said that was an early experience of him wow. of his auditioning, and he was just like, "I've never uh, had that experience. I've never." You're not supposed personally... to tell me in front of other people, especially. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, sorry guys. Uh, he said it happened once, and uh, it was awkward. Um, I don't know which episode of Geekscape. Geekscape is just Google Geekscape Yuri Lowenthal and listen to that after this because that story, my eyes popped out when he told me that story. It's is horribly awkward. This one, they keep you in a waiting game. And I think when Yuri ultimately announced mm-hmm. at Comic-Con, he was allowed to announce at Comic-Con that year that he was Spider-Man. He did it on the Nerdist stage wearing a Geekscape shirt. So you're doing Yay! a solid for me. <laughs> thanks, awesome. thanks, Yuri. That was a solid because uh, a lot of people watched that video and it was fun. Um, this one, the what, what, what goes through your mind when they pull the tarp off the the vehicle you're now going to be driving that you didn't know that you had been test driving i would say skydiving it felt like skydiving um but i haven't actually skydived before and i have no plan to so um, but i suspect it's the equivalent of that now with a new game i'd say it's like flying on a contraption <laughs> the batteries <laughs> yeah. are spitting out and <laughs> yeah, the pieces are falling off a game that's a uh, euphoric um before traveling i don't know it was uh it was just wild it was it was wild and also jonathan it had happened at a time where i'd made this big move to la and i was quite you know nervous about this move it was uprooting my whole life and i was you know starting again and um it was a really big symbol for me that i was heading in the right direction that i'd made a good move to take such a bold leap in my career which i've done many times whenever i've moved but this one was particularly tricky for me because i just wasn't sure i was gonna suit la or la was going to suit me it's not for everybody and i know a lot of artists who have avoided it with 10-foot pole and have very wonderful and interesting careers maybe not as sort of like lush and flashy but you know sure. a lot of artists stay out of la because it's um 
it can be an all-consuming way of going about your career. And um, so I was like, we'll see where this where this fits for me. I've got a like an indie soul. <laughs> and it changes <laughs> and I, yeah. people. It does. LA, it totally it, changes. It straight up yeah. will change people. There have been people mm-hmm. who have moved to LA with closest friends. And within a year or two, they're just, their goals are different. Their goals are different. And of course they would be. And it's, and it's not all bad. I mean, I, I think, I think a lot of, well, look what can happen when you move to LA. This wouldn't sure. happen for me had I not moved to LA. And um, there's a lot of incredible, innovative, wildly talented people down there all communing. And in the voice acting world, there's a lot of really nice, talented people that all help each other out. You get a lot of those amazing networking situations down there, for which I'm very grateful. But yeah, it's a it's it's commercial. It's it's big. It's it's epic. Um, it can it can eat people, you know, it can mm-hmm. eat people up. So and, yeah. And Patricia, you're you're on stage with your band Somerset. We, we will talk about that. Um, does that? I mean, when you when you're going out, you you do live action as well. How much do you miss it when you're spending time in a booth and doing voice? Not that, again. Don't want to say anything. You're not grateful for this. This is an iconic role. It's going. It's amazing. I hope you play it as long as you want to play it forever. Because that'll mean I have Zelda games forever. But um, it, I I cast an actor named Phil Lamar, voice actor. Oh. I love Phil, and mm-hmm. but I put him in a live action. Mm-hmm. When I worked with Doug Jones, who Guillermo del Toro covers in makeup and turns into the pans, the labyrinth pan, the pans labyrinth thing, or or the fish man and stuff. I told Doug, oh, I'm Doug not, Jones, I'm not, wait, I love I just him. Stop the sweetest like... man of all time. Well, also just so wickedly talented. Like he his. The way I've watched him just like take scripts and bring them off of a page and every actor, you don't always see that process of somebody doing that and watching him do that is he's just, he's so crafted and eloquent. It's like, yeah. And he's so well, it's a risk. fast. He's so quick. And um, it's like, yeah. and I just told Doug, yeah. I said, I'm not going to put makeup on your face. I, um, I just recorded prior to this a conversation with um, two documentarians who did a documentary on Robert England's career. And Robert, after, uh, and I, we've had Robert twice on the show, but um, after Freddie, he was like, the makeup is a, you know, I want to, I want to do, show my face, be Robert. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the behind, you know, now that you're doing voiceover, and again, when you reinvent yourself, you it's scary. Or when you make major life changes, it is scary. But the other thing is, you'll be surprised how quickly the universe tells you you're on the right course as it did with you. Um, the live action, it's still there. You're still mm-hmm. performing on stage in your band. Um, how often do you get a chance to do it? I could, well, I just, I mean, performing on stage with my band, I mean, we, we don't have that many shows, but just like yesterday, for example, I was finishing up, <laughs> I was shouting and doing a video game gig in the morning from my booth and that I have in my place, my, my studio, <laughs> and then went straight to uh, a Somerset band gig, um, which was like a barbecue style intimate. So I, I'm constantly swapping back and forth spaces i i just I, I do it all it's hard to measure that now i feel like live action sometimes they're they're bigger longer processes and they're fewer and far between so i might get one or two a year or something like that that's sort of where mine sits and then i do fill in that work a lot with other kinds of voice work video game work and processes that may take nine months or a year to create sometimes 
a lot longer, even just for one iteration of a game, and then other ones that are, of course, one off. So I don't know. I, I don't miss anything. I'm, I'm one of those happy people who gets to do a little bit of everything. It's, it's never perfect. I mean, I'm a very dissatisfied customer sure. about every part of my career. I, we're all restless, right? Like, my wife is always doing that. She's like, <laughs> she's like, yeah, but when that happens, you'll be happy, right? And I'm like, no, I'll be unhappy that the next <laughs> thing happens. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. It's, it's a little no. bit like that, right? It's like, it's, so it's like Would you practice. be happy with this one thing, right? Like, would you be happy with just, I think no. Yuri and Phil, well, I like to work with Phil and I like to work with Yuri also put in live action um, because they're out of the booth and they're collaborating on set and they're under the lights and they're work they're listening to the people move on set and that's an energy and you've got this band somerset geese the album just came out last week um you're that that is an immediate reaction like you say you record a game it goes into the programming for i mean localization is a little later in the game but it you wait, a, you wait a while before the fans erupt or you get any kind of feedback or you get no feedback sometimes and that's brutal yeah but we did we did not <laughs> we did not go into this to exist in a vacuum our art is not something that we want to do in a vacuum as storytellers with your band god i wish i could play an instrument because that is like immediate feedback. what you have to do is play with other people who are really good because i don't play an instrument either i sing i co-write and um, sometimes apologize for that, but <laughs> no. If you, if you co-write, I think you have the ability to write in that language. Does that make sense? Yes. And I'd be surprised if doing I, that. yeah. At I'd be surprised if you talk to your if I talk to your collaborators and they were like, "Oh yeah, I have to make that stuff up on my own." I'm pretty sure Patricia comes in and says, "I'm thinking about something." Can you? It's like me talking to a DP. It's like, hey, I kind of want something like this. And the DP knows how to verbalize it in images. They know how to verbalize it in sound and actually get it across the finish line of what my intention is. So I'm not going to let you not take credit for that. Oh, no. <laughs> You're taking that credit. It's, uh, how has it been? Yeah, with, with, this, with this music and, and with the, the band, where's the best place to send the Geekscape? Is first off, Geekscape, oh, if you want to kind of be exploring um, this stuff. Yeah, somersetband.com. Okay, somersetband.com, spelled like Patricia's name, double yeah. M, double T's on the end, Somerset. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, you know what I'm going to show you because it's sitting right here because we just got them two. You gave you a He-Man toy. Vinyls. Um, <gasps> we just had our beautiful vinyls um, sent to us. I thought it was going to come in mid June, and Those suddenly it came in the. Yeah, it's actually a. It's not to everybody's taste. I love it. I saw this picture, um, and I was just so riveted by it. It's actually. It's an old woman, but it's it's a it's an image of a sculpture of an old woman. Um, who is blowing a bubble and kind of making it, you know, and so we did the design of this and on the inside are her side profiles. It's this beautiful collaboration with this sculptor named Julia Agnes. So I'm so pumped about how the vinyls turned out. And that, that process of creating the album from start to finish was like six years. So it's not as if it's also immediate. <laughs> but it's a live performance. And Geekscape is yes. the name of the album is, um, is, some, this? What, oh, more of yeah, the world. Yeah, more of the world. Which is one more of the world from one of the songs. Yeah. And um, I, I lost my. I think that are that's incredible. I think with the album cover, you just need to have something that's that you can latch onto, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's when when you think of an album cover, I think it's important to have a single image that's like that's it. That's the album. Whether or not you love the album cover or not, that's it. Did you do anything in the vinyl pressing that they do, like the fancy stuff like splatter paint kind of thing no. or doing limited editions where it's like, 
this is going to be a printing of you know the bands sometimes bands come on here on geekscape and they tell the fans <laughs> like you better order the first hundred because it's a limited pressing of this color well, this, vinyl this is a limited pressing just entirely we've only we've only printed 200 in its entirety it's a micro it's a micro press so once you can order gone, them on the website not yet. I'm trying to figure out shipping because it's so expensive and I don't want to be like, it's $15 for shipping a $30 album. You know, like it's just crazy. So I'm trying to figure that out, but I, I probably will get something up there eventually. The fan friendly stuff. And talk about the tour. Talk about playing out, like playing live. Y'all have mm-hmm. intention to leave your region and I'd love maybe to. Do a couple it's, shows. It's really together. tricky. Well, first of all, the pandemic set us back entirely when we had gone back in to sort of give this another another go after the first album. Um, but we play as eight and we play with violin, cello, bass, drums, and we're three singers on stage and a piano. It's really hard to tour with. <laughs> it's nearly impossible unless you were funded by some large body. And so our music is not pop music. It's it's original music. So it's kind of like we have to know where our hit is on that. Um, right. So it's mostly local stuff right now. And there's a lot of like for our show as well, we did kind of a vaudevillian style show we had. Uh, a punk band doing covers of our songs. We had a singer songwriter and then we also had um, a, a roller dancer who is my friend. She's a world champion roller dancer and roller skater skate to one of the songs that we did piano voice on. And then we had um, clowns like professional clowns who are just incredible clowns. And I'm not, I don't mean like red nose clowns. I mean, like no. real you know, as Contortion, you know, like, contortionist mm-hmm. performers. Yes. Yeah. They interact with the audience. Um, Josie Cotton from the, uh, I just did a video for Josie Cotton. Oh, Josie she, Cotton. I thought you said Joe Cotton. No, Josie Cotton. Like, and two, she was on, yes. Uh, but Josie was just on the show and she had her CD release, Geekscapist, and it was clown themed. I think she talked about it when she was on the podcast oh my gosh, two, I didn't two see three that. weeks That's ago. Really cool. It was all clown related. And I went to this thing. We just watched Guardians Six, and I raced over to the, the album release because my video was on the the, the album, and um, she uh, just had clowns everywhere. And I got to tell you, it was <laughs> it was a little weird. It was it was cotton candy. I dug that. I got to meet some people, but the clown thing, man, it was intense. It was really there were a lot a lot of clown going on in Hollywood. They crank up the clown factor, oh. and I was I said I was sending Heidi pictures like, yeah, this is. If you're scared of clowns, this is not the this place to be. This is not the place this, to be. Josie yeah. loved it. And Josie, she was dressed like a ringleader, like oh a lion goodness. tamer with a, a crop and a top hat and stuff. A oh, um, your music video, I thought, was actually pretty well done. Oh, thanks. The Somerset video, I thought it had like a really good product. You know, yeah. Which one did you see? Was it the well, animation one or was it the yellow swimsuit one? Yellow swimsuit oh, one. Okay. The animation stuff, one. I love. I love the animation stuff. And... But as a live action director, I, I who loves music videos, loves them, but yeah. knows how financially hard they are to do and how hard it is to justify a music video, a live action video for, as an indie artist. I what I I went to that video and said, <laughs> "All right, let's see what they put together." Because it is again, Geekscapes. I can't impress this enough. Uh, it all started falling apart in the early two thousands, and I think I've told this story on the, on the podcast. But when I was doing the Real Big Fish video. Uh, one of them, Scott Kloffenstein walks over at lunch and it says, isn't the, the budget for this entire video what our wardrobe budget was on the last video? And I was just like, please don't remind me that the music industry is doing yeah. this to us. Like yeah. it's so, it's so hard to do a, a video, but I, so I went to the live action video, the swimsuit one. I thought it was great. I thought y'all did Thanks. a really good job. Well, the production yeah. value is high and that's really hard to find because most bands, 
they should be shooting these things. I mean, honestly, they should be shooting these things on their iPhones. They should be doing maybe doc style mm -hmm. stuff, or they should be doing like animation or something in the digital world where they can do something in After Effects very effectively or something. Yeah, we specifically, I mean, it was very much a group effort and it was a small budget, but um, we worked with the right crew who all wanted to sort of be there doing that style of video. And the point was to actually, and it did some film festivals, which was really fun too. Um, yeah, the, the point was to to make it high high value production for what we had in terms of editing and also the um, that filmmaker who filmed that video, Caitlin Sponheimer, the director, director. She's just shot her first feature this last year. She's also a wonderful actor, but she's um, definitely sort of upcoming in the director world. So it was kind of one of those like, hey, I would really like to work with you. Would you like to work with me? Yeah, let's make this happen. And then we sort of just made it happen coming out of the pandemic. And oh man, it was uh, it, stressful to shoot during Patricia, the is your music in the film? In which film? The one that she just oh gosh no it's not no it's not it's not. So. okay we need to what's her number let's call her up yeah right. let's see. all right here we go let's oh, make the phone call live on the air and be like listen hey oh. remember listen remember when you were fresh out of film school and we gave you a right. chance to shoot a music video for us and then you made your feature film and then you didn't pay us back by putting our song yeah. on the soundtrack our, our, our music did just get put into a film a french film like this just happened last week so we're really stoked about that um it's a Montreal called, connection. Like, yeah, Le Jour, Le Dromadaire uh, est parti is the name of the film, I believe. And I had a little acting part in it. And the director was like, oh, and she listened to the music and she was like, oh, can we use your music for the trailer? And then can we use one of your songs in the film? And so we signed a contract and that happened. And I was like, yay, it's our first, our first music play placement in a film, as well as being able to act in it. I was like, this is exactly where those collaborations are just like a gem. Uh, they're just great. I'm I'm so stoked about that. But yeah, mm. I think people feed off of each other like that. I think the yeah, creative got to find the right people, right? You yeah. have to find the right people, and they don't all have to be. They're not bad people if they're not the right people. But no. from the get go, my Geekscape is. I moved out here. This is the, my 20th year living in LA, and wow, and it has been in early on. It was music videos and commercials and short films and just trying to do anything that gave my career some level of cohesion it has been geekscape it has been the ability to meet mm. people like we've talked about you know in my name drop a go-go of an episode um <laughs> sorry about that um right. but mainly voice actors like um in in it, uh, that's that's why i'm bringing up this episode you should hear the the robert england one i'm going to post in about two three weeks that i recorded earlier today like because this documentary is half of the people interviewed for the documentary are horror people that have been on this show. Um, but, but you just, you see if the vibe is right. You see if you want to collaborate and in the energy is contagious and storytelling, I think is contagious. And I think that's why we gravitate to stories, whether they be in the theater or, or they be audible in, in music or we, or, or we do it in a video game, even if it's a giant multi-million dollar, release i mean mm -hmm. that's almost all we're going to get in a the theater at this at this point um but there's still there's still room for plants to grow in the cracks of the major you know in the oh, midst of a strike yeah. there's still plenty of work places yeah. where our stories can find the sunlight and the cracks of the concrete laid by these giant corporations the indie work is is pretty inspiring out there I find it just absolutely necessary to do as an artist who is part of bigger projects because you, you, it, it really is a way to regain your creative control. It, it's the only way, really. I mean, you, you actually can dictate what you're going to do and how much time you're going to spend on 
a little indie project and it's the most fulfilling thing. It always feeds the larger projects. I sometimes feeds your think, soul. Yeah, yeah, feeds your soul and also feeds your ability to get cast because if you're proactive, it, it always returns something. It always, always, always returns something. I guess, uh, yeah, making your own work is always a bit of advice that I give to people. Not that I you know need to put it all out. Yeah. Not that you need to like put all sure. of it out there. Be tasteful about what you put out there because then it's out there. But you hear that Geekscapist as you're making these builds <laughs> in Zelda. Be tasteful what ends up on the TikTok, all right? Because you don't want to be known as the flamethrower anatomy guy out there. I don't know, okay? man. That's pretty it's not great. worth the click. I, it's pretty hilarious. Yeah, I loved it actually. Yeah, I know great, it's yeah. getting out there when my wife sends them back to me. <laughs> She's like, oh, you'd be into this. This is ridiculously offensive, and it's Zelda, so you'll be into this. Um, when that stuff, when people who, you know, Heidi, when I, Heidi sat through the Mario movie with me, and her reaction when the lights came up, I was still giddy. I can't believe they pulled that movie off, and I loved every moment of it. She was like, it was cute, a little more your thing. And I was like, okay, got it. I got it. Uh, I when she started sending that stuff back response. to me, yeah, I don't want anybody having to suffer through a Mario movie or a Zelda thing for me. I mean, I'm, that's just that's not the marriage I want. I want you to be able to be like, hey, that's your thing. This is my thing. I think having space is important in a relationship. Um, but yeah, some of these things have been jaw-droppingly creative. And again, like I said, the best and the worst absolute ways. Um, the next game, let's talk about the next Zelda game. You had some spoilers for us? You had some? I'm kidding. <laughs> You've already. I'm just gonna start making stuff up to get you in trouble. Like, oh, you've already recorded some stuff for the next oh, game. I've already been through like a it? whole thing today. Yeah. I don't know if you saw online, but yeah. Somebody, no, somebody misquoted this article, and for some reason, it looks like I said that I've stated that Zelda and Link are in a relationship, and I was like, no, I said I enjoyed the ambiguity of the relationship, but it was anyway. It was, it was taken from the article like this. Little it's definitely a friendship. In Geekscape, I think you can take that from the games, that there's a <sighs> friendship there. Yeah, well, right, a, a, a relationship of some kind, right? It's not as if they're... Anyway, so I just... I, it got extracted and then put into a headline, and then that got taken and thrown into a bunch of other headlines, and I had to be, I had to do some quality control and make a statement today. So I'm just like, oh. <laughs> that is... I'm like, ah, oh, come on. Like, I, I need to be able to trust journalists at least a little bit if I'm going to be talking to people, you know? <laughs> Like taking it completely out of context is so not cool. So okay, not Mario cool. and the Princess, Mario and Princess Peach. I think we can be safe on that one. All right. Um, yeah. But we've never in a game seen that relationship. It is intentionally ambiguous. Why Zelda and Link. Would I be say anything about that? I mean, it's, right. It's kept. It's written a specific way every time. People can put onto it what they want. It's not There's multiple my... iterations of that relationship, and most oh, of yeah. them. Zelda's his boss. Like Zelda <laughs> is the—I mean, she's the princess. Whether or not she's underneath her father, who's the king of Hyrule, and um, Geek Sabus, you know how that ends up in Breath of the Wild. He's not present in this game, but she's definitely seen as the ruler of, or at least the the main political influence of Hyrule at the beginning of this game, and people look to her. But Link, if anything, is her like bodyguard in a sense or her soldier her main soldier no i don't know that's a workplace relationship geekscapist i don't think we can go ahead and endorse that one i don't think that exists i i think it is i think it's just the two of them 
they're, they're friends and coworkers for the most part in this, and that's all the only relationship I, I'm going to give it. <laughs> and I'm just going to keep my mouth shut because anything and, that I say will be not saying anything. <laughs> like, nobody listens to the oh. show. It's all good. Um, Patricia, tell us how we can help you out. Whether it's sharing the Somerset stuff or um, having you back on the show in the future, I've loved talking to you. It's it's awesome. If you do make it yeah, out happy. to LA or Comic Con or any of these places where Geekscape um gravitates we'll, i'll talk Absolutely. to danny duraney and see yeah. what we can do yeah. i want to thank your publicist danny i've known danny for years danny's awesome danny yeah is we... fantastic and when i saw that email solicitation i kind of all caps them and said i have to have Patricia on the show i'm obsessed with zelda i oh i came out to the, when i got married in october I, I came out to the wind waker music you did yes absolutely i'm a i mean this has been my favorite game franchise forever. So I all capped Danny when Danny in his busyness, and I'm, I'm guessing as an extension of your busyness, mm-hmm. didn't get back to me. I Might called him up on his, I called Danny on his cell phone. <laughs> oh, you had an album release. Yeah, I said I absolutely have to be not sort of because I was in LA and then I had to come back and like do this show and then also Patricia, I hold nothing against creatives as someone, okay. yeah, as someone who's insane in in maybe like <laughs> i would say in, in, if you're anything like me you can't just do one thing that's about it yeah well, or, you gotta or do like a lot it rains of of course everything happens at once mm-hmm. and that's just yeah. how it, it went down with our scheduling and in this like, game oh. it rains anytime you're trying to climb a surface <laughs> yeah and you slip a million times thanks <laughs> zelda yeah the rain all the rain there's a lot of rain in this <laughs> and the blood moon seems to happen every 20 minutes but thanks i'm zelda. sorry i'm sorry I have not asked you to do it. I um. I can't do impressions anyway. I can't. I can't well, I can't. I, I haven't asked you to do Zelda for us. Do <laughs> interviews? I don't. Do I don't ever do it. Yeah, people try, but there's really it's it's awesome. it's NDAs and all the things. It's uh, IP. It. It's completely okay. Um, Patricia, it's been amazing talking to you. <laughs> you too. I, what I love is that I love this game. I'm addicted to do it as the Geeks Keep Us Snow. I love this franchise, and I think that talking to you has been fantastic. And like I said earlier, even though you're going to have a whole breadth of creative pursuits from live action to music to more voice acting that you're going to do. A breadth of wild um, pursuits. Thank you. I, I want you to continue in this role. I love what you're doing with it. Thank you. And I hope they do too. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I, I cross my fingers and hope for the best. All <laughs> So far, and so good. <laughs> it's awesome. And Geekscape, uh, if you enjoyed this uh, conversation, share it with your friends. Just hit the share button on whatever podcast you're, you're listening to this on and tell your friends, like, hey, he just talked to Zelda and dude kept name dropping. He's annoying. Uh, but if you liked any of those names, we got them out here on Geekscape. Just go through the archives and maybe this is your new favorite like podcast. Some interesting episodes, actually. Oh, my God. Uh, the night, well, You know one that is like, Dude should just be doing TED Talks. Speaking of voice actors, is Rob Paulson. Oh, Rob Paulson. Oh, Have you, yes. He just put his book out, and I ran into Rob at the LA Comic Con, and I actually first met his son, Ash, through video Never game Never met playing. him. Never met him. And Ash has done this new... I got to get Ash on, because he has this whole super positive video game channel which i think is so necessary and i think it's i love when they put positivity into the cultures and that's ash's thing and rob was telling me all about the new channel that ash has and the new group he's created (laughs) and rob is just a beautiful man and the stuff that he said in his conversation with me on geekscape were just incredible and just he's he's just a a wise soul a Mm. really kind person um 
as are you, Patricia. The band is called Somerset. Yeah, Somerset, Somersetband.com. Somersetband.com, Geekscape. Yeah. Go listen to some music. And uh, Patricia, thank you for being on Geekscape. My pleasure. Thank you so nice much. To you, Jonathan. Till soon. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.